This is Jason Hansen, pastor of Anchor Church. Thank you for jumping onto our sermon podcast. My prayer is that as you listen to this sermon, you're encouraged in your walk with Jesus and that you live for him in all of life. Enjoy the sermon now. We're continuing on if you're new with us in this series. Uh, we're calling it We Are, and we're looking for how do we find identity in Christ in the book of Ephesians. And this morning, uh, what we're going to talk about is, uh, is prayer. We're going to see a prayer of Paul's, and we're going to talk about uh, that prayer and how we think about prayer. And um, if you're like me, when you hear a sermon on prayer, or when you hear someone start to talk about prayer, there can be a sense of, of guilt or, or just of lacking of, oh man, I wish I prayed more, or I wish I could pray better. And I just wanted to, even before we get into the text, share a resource with you that's been helpful for me. If you're someone who, who would like to grow in your prayer life, it's a, a little book called What If Jesus Was Serious About Prayer? The author is a guy named Sky Jatani, and it's a, an, an awesome little devotional book that uh, each chapter is about a page long, maybe a page and a half, and he's got these little doodles that kind of illustrate what he's talking about. It's been a super helpful resource for me to think about prayer, to grow in prayer, um, and, and it's a great just little devotional. Spend five minutes a day, you know, read a short chapter, some scripture verses, and it'll help you grow in your devotional life. So if you're like me, you're wanting to grow in prayer, that's a resource I would recommend for you. Now we get into the book, Ephesians 3. We're going to be in verses 14 through 19 uh, today, looking at this prayer of Paul's uh, yesterday, uh, my kids and I spent some time um, making uh, clay figures, uh, like molding clay figures. A few weeks ago, my oldest was like, hey, I want to make a, a, an action figure out of clay. We're like, all right, well, let's get some craft clay and, and do that, put it together. Um, and I don't know if you've ever done something like that before. I wasn't super familiar with it, but we, we made our figures out of clay and they looked good. And if you've ever done it before, you've experienced this, you put them in the oven for them, you know, to fire them so they can harden. And when you pull them out, what you find is your beautiful sculpture is now cracked. The, the, the heat of the oven causes little cracks, all the weak spots, all the spots where, where you didn't even know you had messed up, or maybe you made a mistake and you tried to cover it over with clay. The heat brings out those cracks. Some of the, the figures were even just broken on, on the, the cookie sheet. Um, and, and the heat does that. It reveals all those areas where there's faulty repairs, where it's a weak part of the sculpture. Um, and, and if you've ever done molding before with clay, you've experienced that. Now you got to try and glue it back together or throw it away or fix it however you can. And as we think about prayer, what we're going to see this morning is that, that God's presence works just like this, where we mold our lives. We think we've got them just how we want them. And then we go and we experience the heat of God's presence and it reveals cracks. It reveals brokenness. It reveals areas, if we'll allow it, where we thought we were good and we realize, nope, I put a Band-Aid on a broken arm. And, and God's presence does that. It, 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 the heat of his presence reveals our true selves. It reveals the brokenness. It reveals the cracks. And we're going to see that this morning as we think about prayer. The question, though, for us, and this is one that we need to honestly think about, is do you, do you and I actually want that heat that reveals the cracks in our lives? Do we want God to shape us differently than we want to shape us? 
Do we want to actually allow the oven of God's presence to reveal the areas in our lives where we wanted to smooth it over and pretend like it's okay? Do we want his presence to show those cracks? I hope that after we spend some time in God's word this morning, we can answer yes if that's not our answer right now. But we're going to see that God's word and time with God does just that. Our big idea this morning, what we're going to see from this text, from Paul's prayer for the Ephesian church is that uh, God is after your heart to shape your love. So we're going to see this morning. So we're going to walk away, hopefully remembering from this text, is that God is after your heart. You know, we think a lot of times, what does God want from me? I'm going to give it away. This is what God wants from me. He wants your heart. And he wants your heart because he wants to shape your love. He wants to make it look like something different than it does now. So we're going to see this in Ephesians chapter three this morning. I'm going to read verses 14 through 21. Our section is 14 through 19, but we'll read all the way through for context. Follow along with me. This is God's word to us this morning. It says, for this reason, I bow my knees before the father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Paul, this morning, if you haven't been with us in the book of Ephesians, Paul is a pastor and a church planter. And this, what we call the book of Ephesians is a letter to a church in a a town called Ephesus. And he's writing to churches there that he's planted. And here he's praying for them in this letter. And by extension, he's praying for us because the power of the spirit is inspiring this prayer for the church for all ages. When we read this prayer, this is a prayer for you and I, Anchor Church as much as it's a prayer for the Ephesian church. And, and you remember, if you were with us at the beginning of chapter three, Paul started the prayer. He said, for this reason, and he starts to pray, and then he puts in this whole parenthetical statement about his ministry. And now our verses this morning, he's picking up that prayer again, and he's continuing on. He's actually praying now, now that he's been distracted, he's back to it. And we're gonna walk through this prayer and see how is it that God is after our hearts. How does he want to shape our love? And we're going to work from the inside out. Verse 17 is really the heart of this prayer. It's it's the middle of the prayer. It's the center of the prayer. It's actually what Paul is praying for. So you think, okay, what what is he praying for here? There's a lot of stuff here. What does he actually want? At the root of it, it's verse 17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you would be rooted and grounded in love. That's what Paul wants for the church. It's what uh, God wants for you and I, that Christ would dwell in our hearts through faith, that he would take up residence in our hearts. You could say that Christ would make himself at home in your hearts and in my heart. When I was a kid, I had a a friend who lived in the neighborhood uh, who lived with his grandparents and I'd come over whenever I'd ask for something, his grandma would say, this isn't George Washington's house. You serve yourself. And her goal, I think, was to help me feel at home. 
I don't think she was just being lazy and didn't want to help me. I think she wanted me to feel at home so that when I came over, I felt comfortable enough to just go into the fridge and grab something. You know, we'd have a sleepover, just go in the cupboard and grab a blanket, get what you need. This is your home too. Paul is praying that Jesus would come in and not just feel at home in our hearts, that's a piece of it, but that he would actually make his home our hearts. He wouldn't be a renter in your hearts. He wouldn't be a visitor in your heart, but that Jesus would be the owner of your heart, that he would take up residence in it, that he would live there, that he would dwell there. And it's important that we understand here what Paul is praying for in this prayer, because Jason's kind of mentioned this a number of times, that the breakdown of the book of Ephesians, chapters one through three are just expounding on the gospel. This is the glory of what God has done. It's great. He's, he's brought in the Gentiles, all of this. It's amazing. And then chapters four through six are the, okay, then how shall we live? So what do we do then? How do we apply the gospel? And before we get into chapter four, we have this prayer at the end of chapter three. It sets up all that we're going to talk about in chapters four, five, and six. And, and right here, the heart of the prayer is that Christ would dwell in your hearts. What does this mean? It means that doing flows from being. Okay, before we talk about doing for God, we first got to be with God, that Christ would dwell in your heart, that he would live in your heart, that he would be with you and you would be with him. Doing flows from being. And doing also flows from love. The second part of verse 17 is that you would be rooted and grounded in love. That, that you would that follow this analogy with me, this idea of being rooted. You think about a plant and the roots go down deep into the soil and they spread wide and they offer stability for the plant. They also pull up nourishment for the plant. The, the, the roots of your life should be rooted in Christ's love, Paul is praying. That you would go deep into Christ's love and wide into Christ's love. Now I'm going to draw a little bit more out of this analogy that maybe Paul would have because there is a phenomenon that I've experienced in, in planting different things called pot-bound roots. Pot-bound roots. And what happens with pot-bound roots, I've got a picture here for you, is it's when a plant has been in a pot that's too small for too long. What happens is the roots keep growing, but now they grow around the pot. They're constricted by the pot. They grow together into a ball. And now even once you take that pot, that plant out of the pot and put it in the ground, those roots will continue to grow now in a circle. They'll continue to fold in on themselves. Eventually they choke the plant out. It's not rooted. It's not grounded. And, and here's what we should think about as Christians. As we think about being rooted and grounded in Christ's love, if we're not careful, we can root ourselves in different pots that feel like they're religious and feel like they're Jesus, but they're not. We can be rooted in a pot of theology or ideology or religiosity. Sometimes it's our pain and our trauma that, that, that forms a pot around the roots of our faith. And what'll happen, church, if we don't find ourselves rooted in the love of Christ is those, our, our faith will just fold in on itself. You ever seen that in someone there? They're so angry at some point. You go, what? how can a Christian be so angry? They're so stressed out. They're so, they're so uh, argumentative. And you go, how does a Christian get here? Are they rooted and grounded in love? No, perhaps they have pot-bound roots. It's important for us, church, to not have that, but to be rooted and grounded in the love of Christ, a love that allows us to go deep and wide, to hold us, to nourish us in our faith. This is what Paul's praying for, that Christ would dwell in our hearts, that we'd be rooted in love. 
But how are we going to get there? What is the how of Paul's prayer? We see it in verses 16 and verse 18. The how, how is it that Christ would dwell in our hearts? How is it that we'd be rooted in love? Verse 16 says that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. Again, we talked about this. God is after your hearts. Paul here, he's praying that Christ would dwell in your heart. Now he's praying that by the power of the spirit, he would strengthen you in your inner being on the inside. The inner man, the inner woman is what God is after here. And think about this with me for a minute, church. This is amazing. How is it that Christ is gonna dwell in our hearts? Through the the power of God himself. It's according to the riches of his glory that we would be strengthened from the storehouses of God's glory by the power of the spirit of God. It's what Paul's praying this morning. This is a bold prayer, isn't it? We talk about bold prayers. I want to pray for whatever it is, a new job, for a bigger house. Oh, I want to pray bold prayers. Paul here is praying that you and I would experience the storehouses of the glory of God by the power of the spirit of God. This is a bold prayer. And this is how Christ will dwell in our hearts through faith. It doesn't happen just because you decide. It doesn't happen by osmosis. It doesn't just magically happen. No, it's the spirit of God applying the glory of God to your hearts through faith that allows this dwelling of Christ in your hearts. So how will it happen? Through the spirit of God, there's a second how in verse 18. He's gonna pray for strength again. He says that you may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth of the love of Christ. So how is it that Christ would dwell in our hearts. How are we gonna be rooted in love? It's by the power of the spirit. It's in the community of the church, together with all the saints, that you would be strengthened together with all the saints, with all the Christians around you. Look at your neighbor's face next to you. That's how you see the love of God. Hear your neighbor's story in front of you. It's how you get rooted deeper in the love of Christ. Listen to the testimony of the Christian behind you. It's how you know more the love of God. It happens in community. It happens with one another. It's why one of our values is to be passionately one. It's not just because we want to be a, a, you know, a cool group of people that hang out together. No, it's because that's where we grow in the love of Christ is with one another. Now, it can be tempting to go, okay, I get it. You know, people who are teaching get to teach us about the love of Christ. Or or people who are leading worship gets to lead us into worshiping God and we get to know more of his love that way. But that's not what Paul's saying. He's saying together with all the saints, with everyone, I need you to know the love of Christ deeper. You need your neighbor as much as you need a sermon to know the love of Christ deeper. We need each other. It's together with all the saints. That is the how of Paul's prayer. How? Through the power of the Spirit together with all the saints. We need one another to grow in our experience and our understanding of the love of Christ. This expansive love, he says, what is the breadth and height and, and, and depth and length of God's love? How do we plumb the depths of that? We'll never fully plumb it, but how do we get there? Through one another, with all the saints. You know, I'd also submit to you that we get there through the testimony of the global church. It's here in our local body, It's also as you think about others in the church who maybe have a different uh, expression of worship than you do. 
Maybe they've got some different secondary beliefs. They believe in Jesus, but there's some differences. They help you and I to see the love of God, to understand how deep the love of Christ is. What about the historic church? What about the saints of old that have, have long died and we go, I don't, I don't know if I understand those guys anymore. They help you know the love of Christ as together with all the saints. It's the how of Paul's prayer. And then the result of Paul's prayer is in verse 19. He says, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Again, Paul is praying impossible prayers. This is an impossible prayer, church. He actually says it himself, that you would know the love of Christ that's unknowable. The result of this prayer, that Christ would dwell in your heart uh, through faith, that you'd be rooted in love through the power of the spirit and the community of the church, what's the result? That you would know the unknowable love of Christ that you would know it in greater ways. Listen, what he's praying is not that you would know something uh, that, you, that, you, that, that is unknowable, but that you would know more of something that's unknowable. And it's amazing, think about it this way. On your millionth day of eternal life, okay? So you're already there, right? You're already, if you believe in Jesus today, you're, you're experiencing eternal life right now. On your millionth day of eternal life, you'll still be getting acquainted with the love of Christ because it's so deep. It's so wide, it's so long, it's so high, it's unknowable, but we can know more of it and more of it and more of it. We can grow in our knowledge of this love of Jesus. The second thing that he prays for is equally impossible. He says that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Wow, what a prayer. That you and I, finite people, sinners, broken people, would be filled with the fullness of the eternal God, of the perfect God, of the God of love and grace and mercy, that we'd be filled with the fullness of God. This is an amazing prayer. What Paul is praying here, the, the result that he's looking for is that you would know the, the, the love of Christ greater and that you would be more like God as a result. Being filled with the fullness of God means to be more like him. God's love when he's going after your heart is to shape you to look like him. Now you won't look perfect, right? We go back to the, the, the molding, the figures that we were making. Uh, you, know, we, you know, I've got a picture on my phone of what I'm trying to make and I shape it with clay. And at the end of the day, it's not perfect. There's definitely flaws, but it does look like what I'm going after. And that's what God is doing in us as he's after our hearts to shape our love. He wants to shape us to look like him. We won't be perfect, but we can love like him. And, and even just thinking about that idea of needing your love to be reshaped. What does that tell us? It tells us that without this, our love is broken. It's not perfect. It needs to be formed because our love outside of Christ's work is selfish. We love ourselves, don't we? I am the best person at loving me. No one can love me better than me, humanly speaking, right? Because we're great at loving ourselves and we need our love reshaped to love God and to love the people around us. And that only happens through the power of his presence in our hearts, Christ dwelling in us richly, grounding us in love. The only way it happens is through the power of the spirit and the community of the church. God is after your hearts to shape your love. It's where he wants to be. 
He wants to take up residence in your hearts. But he doesn't just want to sit there and do nothing. He doesn't just want to turn on Netflix and binge. He wants to sit in your heart and he wants to shape you to look like him. So as we think about application, as we think about how, how do we live in such a way where we're leaning into God's pursuit of our hearts? How do we live in such a way where we're inviting God in to the pursuit of our hearts? Just a couple of application points this morning. The first is to pray like Paul. And the second is to live out love. So we wanna pray like Paul and live out love. We start with pray like Paul. Um, Something I skipped over intentionally was verses 14 and 15. Paul says, for this reason, I bow my knees before the father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. Paul can pray these bold, impossible prayers because of who he's praying to. It's the same God that you pray to, Christian. When you, when you go to the Lord in prayer, it's your father. It's, it's your father. It's not a God who's, who's disconnected, who's distant, who's unrelatable. No, it's your father. He loves you. But he's not just your father, he's the father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. He's the father over all. Now this idea of, of every family being named from God, it's, it, it, Paul is intentionally calling the church back to remember this idea of Jews and Gentiles and the Gentiles being grafted in. All people are the people of God through faith in Jesus. He's the father of all people. All nations are named through him. He is massive and he is loving and he is glorious and that is who you pray to when you pray. You can pray bold prayers. But where I think we need to learn to pray like Paul, if you're like me, this is where I need to learn to pray like Paul. I can pray bold prayers that are chasing after things. That's right, sort of what we do when we pray, right? We go, I'm chasing after whatever it is, that promotion, that, that, that house, uh, that, that health Right? I'm chasing after something I don't have. God, provide for me here. God, give me this. We're chasing after a bunch of little things in our prayer. What is, what is Paul chasing after here? The heart. Church, if we're going to pray like Paul, we need to pray heart-chasing prayers. I want to challenge you to do that. Challenge us to do that, to pray heart-chasing prayers. Prayers that invite God into our heart. Lord, dwell in me. Lord, help me grow in my understanding of your love and my expression of your love. Lord, what I'm after is not stuff out there. I'll pray for that too. But what I'm after, what I'm chasing is in here. They're heart chasing prayers. What are your prayers like? What what do you pray for most often? If you keep a, a prayer journal as you go back through and read, what are you praying for most often? Is it stuff out there? circumstances, needs, whatever. Those things are fine to pray for. We should pray for those. The Bible calls us to pray for those. But are you praying heart-chasing prayers? God, change me. God, reveal the cracks. And and by way of really practical application, I want to encourage you, I want to invite you to pray this prayer, Ephesians 3, 14 through 19, every day this week for yourself. Every day. Spend some time in the morning Uh, Maybe it's in the evening, if that's better for you, whatever it might be during your lunch break at work. But I want to encourage you to spend some time praying this prayer for yourself. That God would strengthen you with the power of his spirit in your inner being. 
God, have Christ dwell in my heart in greater ways. Lord, help me to know your love better. These types of prayers that are heart-chasing prayers. Pray it every day this week. Maybe you don't normally pray. This week's a great week to start. Start on Monday. My wife, Lindsay, and I always joke around about working out. I'll start on Monday. (laughs) And there's always a Monday out there. Tomorrow's Monday. Well, the next Monday. I'll start on Monday. No. Prayer, start on Monday. Actually start on Monday. Pray this prayer for yourself. I want to actually encourage you, too, to pray this prayer, not just for yourself, but for Anchor Church. If you're part of this church here, pray this prayer every day for Anchor Church. Just as Paul here prays it for the, uh, the Ephesian church, pray it for Anchor Church. This is a prayer for us as well, that God would do something in our hearts that he would change us, that he would reveal the cracks, that he would reveal the brokenness. Do you want that in your life? And do you want that in this church? Let's pray that this week. So we wanna pray like Paul. Secondly, we wanna live out love. Live out love. I was uh, reading a book about St. Francis of Assisi this week. Maybe you've heard of him. He's, you know, kind of one of the fam- most famous monks ever. Um, and I was reading a book about his life. And he had this idea that, that Christianity should be an inner experience that utterly transforms you into love. Christianity should be an inner experience that utterly transforms you into love. Love, what does that mean? It means that when Christ dwells in your heart through faith, as we're praying for here, when you're rooted and grounded in love, those are things that happen on the inside, right? But that that experience of knowing Christ and and being rooted in his love would actually transform you into love, that you would act out love, that you would live out the, the love of God. You know, John tells us that God is love. So if we're being changed into his image, And Christianity should cause us, this experience with Jesus should cause us to be transformed into love. It's what it means to be filled with the fullness of God, as Paul prays in in verse 19. What does that mean, that we'd be filled with the fullness of God? It means that we'd be changed, that we'd experience God's love in such a way that it would overflow from our lives into the lives of others. Now, we have to get the order right. It's an inner experience first. You don't just go out and say, all right, I don't know about all this Jesus stuff. I don't know about all this uh, Christianity, whatever, but I want to be loving. So I'm just going to go and be sacrificial and loving. Well, if you do that, that's, it's good. It's noble to go and be loving. But again, what, what's your heart shaped like? What's, what are you loving most? Without the work of the spirit, it's probably yourself. Even as you try and love others, it's an expression of your love for yourself. Right? We need God to change us from the inside and from that experience of Christ in our hearts, that knowledge of his love flows out love for others. You know, this, this idea of loving God and loving people is so easy to say, isn't it? It's the greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God, love your neighbor as yourself. It's so easy that we can put it on a wristband. Love God, love people. How easy is that? How simple? What a great, what a great marketing catchphrase, God. You, God was the first marketer, right? Great job. Except, how easy is that to live out? Tomorrow morning, when you oversleep, uh, or when your, your alarm goes off and you're really tired, how easy is it to live out, love God? I gotta get up. Tyler told me I should pray this stinking prayer this week. I don't wanna, I don't spend time with God. I'm tired. Can I just get more sleep? It's not easy to live out. When you're in traffic tomorrow morning and someone cuts you off, 
It's not easy to live out loving people, is it? When you're at work and that coworker makes that stupid mistake again, it's not easy to live out love, is it? When your kids are, are throwing things at you, maybe your kids don't do that. But I, I've heard that some kids do that. I've heard that sometimes a shoe is thrown or a toy. How easy is love in that moment? It's not easy, right? What do we need? We need to be shaped by the love of Christ from the inside. If we're ever going to live out the love of Christ on the outside, but we should absolutely be doing that. And if you look at your life and you go, man, my life is, is, is just selfishness. I don't think I'm very loving to other people. I kind of just keep to myself and I do my thing and, and I don't bother anyone, but I also don't go out of my way to love anyone. I would just ask you, maybe, maybe you have pot-bound roots. Maybe the roots of your faith haven't grown deep and wide in the love of Christ. Maybe they're bound by something that you're holding on to more than Christ. Maybe it looks like Christ, but it's not him. But church, may that not be true of us because God is after your hearts and my heart to shape our love, to make our love more like him. It's what Paul here prays for the Ephesian church. He prays that we would know the love of Christ, that Christ would take up residence in our hearts and that that would change us to be people of love in our communities, in our families, in our workplaces, wherever we go. I wanna invite the band up here as we prepare to take communion and close this morning and just ask you, what, what might God do if you and I prayed this prayer for ourselves that we would experience Christ in our hearts more and that we would know his love greater and that we would live out his love greater? What, what would God do if we were praying that for ourselves and praying that for our church? Yeah, I see a, a, a decently large group of people here with a lot of opportunity for radical love for those around us. Radical love, little things that snowball into big things where lives are impacted and people see the glory of God as Paul is praying here that we would be filled with the fullness of God. What might he do if that fullness of God, that glory, that love spilled out from our lives into our community, into our neighbors? What might he do in your life? What might he do in our church? As we think about communion this morning, it's the, the event of the cross. We talk about God's love. We talk about Christ dwelling in our hearts through faith. This, this event, the cross of Christ, where Jesus, the son of God, died for your sins is the display of love that we need. That's why we do communion every week. That's why we do it every week, to remind ourselves, what is the love of Christ? Well, we see it here as we, we dwell on the broken body and the spilled blood of Jesus. And, and if you're a Christian, I invite you to partake with us. If you're not a Christian, I wanna challenge you this morning. Maybe you have ideas of Christianity that are based off of the, what you've seen around you. I wanna, I wanna challenge you and, and ask you to, to ignore that for just a moment and focus with us on the cross of Christ. If you wanna know the love of God, if you wanna know what love is like, God became like you, broken as you are, sinful as you are, fallen as you are. He became like you, minus the sin. He experienced the brokenness of this world, even so much so that he died on a cross to take all of your brokenness on himself. 
what we remember in communion. We remember his body broken. God the Son died for you. We remember his blood spilled. God the Son died for you. And we also remember that he rose to new life so that he could dwell in our hearts, so that we could live out love, so that we could know him and be more like him. And as we take communion, church, this morning, I wanna invite you to take the bread with me here. This is what we remember. We don't live out love. We don't know the love of Christ without this body broken for us. Let's remember it this morning in the bread. And even as we think about love overflowing out of our lives, spilling into the lives of others, that can only happen because Jesus' blood was spilled for you on the cross to make you new, to change you, to save you. You remember that blood this morning in the cup. Let's take it together. Let's pray one more time. Lord, we thank you for your body broken, for your blood spilled for us. Lord, as we think about our own lives, our own prayer lives, maybe, God, in ways that we have been shaped more by self-love than by love for you, Lord, we pray that you would challenge us this morning. Challenge us to long for a greater experience of your love and your presence, Lord, where we're afraid of cracks being revealed in our lives, Lord, I pray that you would allow us through faith to invite in the heat of your presence, to reveal those cracks so that we might experience the healing balm of your love in those areas, Lord, that we might go and be the face of love to others who are hurting, who are broken, who are far off. Lord, we praise you. We praise you that the God of all creation is so loving, is so amazing that you would dwell in us. What a gift. Lord, we praise you for the cross that makes it possible. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Let's stand together. Let's sing one more song just in response to worship God for his love, to praise him for his goodness to us. Let's stand together and sing. I really hope that you were encouraged by the sermon today. You can learn more about us at anchorchurchgilbert.com. We'd love to have you join our mailing list. You can do that on the website. If you have any questions for us about who Jesus is, please let us know through our website. I hope that you were encouraged.